Hey everyone, we're so glad you're here. I'm Elisa Monjadas. I'm a marketing leader and executive coach. I'm Courtney Copeland, and I'm an accountability and wellness coach. And I'm Dr. Murari Simeon, an activator of talent, HR executive, author, and working mom. If you're anything like the successful multicultural women we interview on the What Rules podcast, you've learned that you can't do it alone. And we teach women like yourself to outsmart the game to get ahead in your career. We're really talking about those rules that we grew up with as women and expectations that have been placed on us. Our mission is to change the face of leadership at What Rules Podcast. As you listen to our talented guests, take note and take action. Go ahead, go and break those rules. I'm curious, Dr. Madati, have you ever wanted to do like a TED Talk, TEDx Talk, like anything along those lines? Is that in your dreams? Yes, yes. It's actually, it, there's two things on my bucket list. The one is to see the Northern Lights and the other one is to do a TED Talk. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> two different extremes. But, you know, I never knew what I would talk about. But ever since I released my book, her act, I felt that, okay, this is something that I can get behind. And in my head, I played how that TED Talk would look like. So it's definitely on my bucket list and something to do. So this is for our YouTube audience. Raise your hand in this virtual room if you've ever given a TEDx talk. Oh, we see a hand. <laughs> what a coincidence. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Who would have thought someone else in this room would have given a TEDx talk? I would have not guessed me, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever expect, Cindy, that you would? I almost stumbled across it because we did our own kind of mini TED Talk with our company a few years ago. And so, you know, it was more around personal brand and values. And so that's really how it started is one of my ex-colleagues, who's also a friend, she said, I loved your speech. Would you be able to do that for our TEDx conference? And I said, okay, well, you know what? I am willing to get behind that because I already practiced it. It's something that I feel comfortable. It's just talking about me. About a week and a half before the actual event, I completely changed up the script. I decided I'm going through my kind of season of life right now where my parents are aging and my parents are living with me part time. And so we were just talking through like all of the struggles of the generational gap of coming from an immigrant family. And so that's what I ended up rewriting my speech about. So it was a, a much more compelling and rewarding experience because I had people come up after and say, I heard your speech and this is going to change my relationship with my daughter because I put all these expectations on her. Now we can have a different type of dialogue. I mean, I think that was the real purpose was to just open up a dialogue around a lot of the struggles that people go through. I think it's great what you did and how you bridged that generational gap between the families. So to me, it was powerful because I saw it from both ends. I saw it from a professional perspective. That generation, many of them are still at work. There's so many immigrants that are that are still coming into the country. Um, so that cultural identity I thought it was just powerful the way that you were able to showcase that. And it will continue to happen because of the, the large immigrant population yes. and the fact that we just don't 
really acknowledge or talk about it is a big struggle. And that's what we talk about, right? Multicultural. Yeah, <laughs> multicultural <laughs> America. That's, that's the yes. part we're, we're landing into. But yes, congratulations. It's such a great accomplishment. We will definitely be diving into more of the content throughout this podcast. So everyone will get a little bit of a taste. But of course, we'll link to your TEDx talk in the show notes. My name is Cindy Tran. I'm originally from Wichita, Kansas, but I've been living in Dallas, Texas for the last 20 plus years. I'm a managing director at Slalom Consulting, and we are a purpose-led consulting company. I'm a mom of two boys under six, and I'm Vietnamese and, and Chinese, but I was born raised in Kansas. So uh, I guess I could say I'm an Asian American. Well, Cindy, as an Asian American, what is one rule you've broken to get ahead in your career? Oh, man, there's been so many, but I feel like the prominent one has really been trying to break that cultural expectation and figuring out what is expected of me and what is the definition of success based on what society deems, my company, and then also my family. And so traditionally, I think in a male-dominated industry, it's really about individualism and getting ahead and being self-oriented and just being really aggressive in, in moving forward. And that's not how I was raised. It was very much about helping others succeed, even when you don't have the resources to do so, and that collectivism. And what were some of the cultural norms that you feel like you broke? From my background, you always had to respect your elders. Anybody that was older was typically always right. I'm third in line out of four kids, and like my oldest sister was always right, no matter what, no matter if she was right or not. But that like basically kept the peace in the family, you know. As an older and... sister, I kind of like that. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and so like you just knew your place. So when you get to the boardroom, being even also female, you're really expected to just listen versus being that strong voice in the room. And so I really had to break through that cultural barrier and really exert my presence, but also be humble at the same time. And so how are you navigating being able to stay true to who you are versus this is what my company or my clients expect of me, and this is how they expect me to show up. And so I've really had to figure out what that balance is. But I think also being able to tell everyone around you and having them notice and advocating for you when you're not in the room, making sure that they're giving you some space to take the time to talk as well. Those have definitely been things that continue to be something that I work on. Was there a point in your life where you said, I need to break these cultural rules? Or were there people that you saw doing it? Did somebody mentor you? How'd you get to this is something that I got to do different, I guess I would, is my question. I would say most of my mentors have been older white men, and they have been fantastic. And I, I didn't have people that looked like me at my company. As far as a day-to-day -day working experience, those were the people that I learned from. And I thought that that was probably what I needed in my life at the time, because they thought so differently. They had 
zero reservations that I had and could quite honestly not even comprehend some of the insecurities that I dealt with. And when I said it out loud, it almost made it seem ridiculous that that was something I was struggling with. And so for them to be so bold in their conviction, it rubbed off on me in a way. And remember saying to one of my mentors, well, I don't want them to pick me because I'm the minority. I don't want to be the person that's chosen for this just because I feel like I'm filling that diversity box. And he said, why wouldn't you? You're silly to not use all of the resources that are at hand to get ahead because everybody around you is doing it. You would do that for your kids. You would do that for your client. Why aren't you doing it for yourself? Mm. That's your ego talking. And I thought, my ego? <laughs> like I, I felt like I was being really humble. But when I really dove into it, it was a me thing. So mm. I had to get over myself and get over the fact that I had all of these other perceptions of what that could be versus just say yes and do the role. So today our theme is don't do it alone. And it sounds like that's been a theme throughout your life, how you've grown, how you've advanced. And it started with you saying yes to these mentors who you maybe didn't expect to have as your mentors. How do you find power in your community and how do you do that as a leader? There is no joy for me in doing anything alone. I have grown up in such a big family. Like I love that energy when it comes. It doesn't have to be a lot of people, but to be able to share that joy and the journey and the hardships just builds those bonds. And that's what creates happiness in my life and, and why I like working with people from a community perspective and from a leadership perspective you can't be a leader if you're, it's just yourself. And so inherently that responsibility is really to help inspire and mobilize and get people to join forces for a particular cause to add value. And so I think that that is so integral to not just work life, home life, community life, like we all need each other to, to get ahead and why not do it together. And I'm a big advocate of being able to learn and help other people learn from our own personal mistakes. My dad always says, like, it's basically giving somebody a fast track from A to B that took you so much longer. Why not help them excel? We can all be on this forward journey together versus watching somebody struggle when you could really help them along. It's almost like bringing back some of your culture, like in like thinking about the collective group in an individualist capitalist society, right? Like a lot of times when we think, oh, we need to shed some of our cultural identity to fit in. But in this case, this is where your identity really can make you stand out as a strong leader by bringing others along. I agree. I think this is where like the future of leadership, the future of our community is going. This is where the younger professionals, like that's who they're looking for in their leader. It's not just about the smartest person in the room anymore. It's about how can we help them feel 
included? How, how can we help them be authentic at work? And so we're starting to see a big shift in what leadership means and what success looks like. And it's really hard to teach somebody to be an empathetic leader when they have not been practicing that for their entire career. So I do feel like those are some of the rules that we don't want to break necessarily. Yeah. I mean, I think from a cultural perspective, it's so critical. And for me is how do we teach or how do we help people recognize that empathetic side? Because I feel that many of them don't even realize they're not being empathetic. But when somebody, and this is understanding the multicultural or how you were brought up, to somebody, that may be the norm, where to somebody else, it could be a place where they need to be empathetic, right? So it's it's so critical for everybody to come in and bring their empathetic selves because each one of us, even on recording today, brings a different side and a different perspective and a different cultural empathetic piece to the puzzle. So I think when many leaders sometimes say, hey, you have to be more empathetic, it's almost something that, for the most part, depending on what you've been exposed to, it may or may not be empathetic for you. It's a really hard thing to teach, and, and a lot of it comes down to insecurity. If we can solve for leaders' insecurities and we can allow them to be vulnerable and we can allow them and even set the expectation that like we won't tolerate this type of behavior from leaders – it creates such a, a much more safe place to be able to have the dialogue, to be able to say, I need help, to be able to say, I need training, and to create an environment where it's not just welcomed or encouraged, but it is not tolerated if you are not empathetic. And so it definitely is a top down. I am thinking of how I want to answer this because I have so much to say about it. My mind is going to like, how does your effectiveness as a leader change if you lack empathy or if you have empathy, I think it impacts your legacy and other people's development. Like when we talk about don't do it alone, it's going back to that idea of collaboration and co-creation and working together to make something bigger than us. Some people aren't aware that they lack empathy and that's okay. But if you're aware of it and you don't do something about it, it's really selfish because you're not allowing yourself and others to grow. And then from a business standpoint, it impacts retention, team building, productivity, creativity. So I think it's a really deep-rooted issue. And if it goes unaddressed for too long, sometimes people will wonder, oh my gosh, why did this team fail or why did the business tank? And actually I had a mentor two or three years ago and he was saying, he works in finance, but he was like, one of the biggest parts of my job somehow is dismantling executives' ego and teaching them how to increase their emotional intelligence. They think, oh, it's a money issue. And he's like, no, no, your business is failing because you lack empathy as a leader. We see this a lot in corporate America, specifically yeah. with women women, period. I have seen where other women are not empathetic to other women because they're like, hey, I did this and I had to work my butt off and I had to go through A, B, C, and D. So I don't know if they're seeing it or not seeing that they're empathetic, but one would be like, 
but you went through it. You should be empathetic about this. But the way that they're thinking about it is like, this is the way that I went through it. And this is something that I have to do. So this is just critical because there could be so many views out there. So I guess, Cindy, my, my question to you would be, one of the things we're keen on doing is equipping leaders who want to advance multicultural women, but also for the multicultural women to know what to ask for from a leader. So what advice will you give a leader in a position of power and how they can intentionally advance this incredible talent of multicultural women in the workplace? Yeah, I, I think it's doing things like this. I think it's providing a voice and a platform for people who can create that environment and create that swell to where it's contagious for people to see the types of topics that you all are addressing today and to recognize that it takes work. People don't just overnight become empathetic leaders when they haven't been before. And even if they come from a place of having that empathy, it doesn't mean that you're showing up in that way for your team and for others. And so at the end of the day, you have to put in the work and you can't skip any steps. And so it's not just good enough to identify and to have the goal, but it's going through all the motions and connecting with people and really talking through it. When you go at it alone, it is a very lonely space. And when you're not the type of leader that inspires other people, you will see your business results drop. You will see people who will say, I don't want to work with that person anymore. And then they would rather go to another person that lifts them up that might not even have the skill sets that they need. But for the most part, in a professional world, we aren't necessarily going to mentors that help us learn our craft. We go to mentors to help us solve the really hard areas of life to knock down the barriers that typically people just are putting up for themselves. And so I know all of you work with incredible women to just have them get out of their own way. And so I think just from a leadership perspective and a corporate environment, that is something that we should all be channeling is how do we become those coaches as well. And you said something important, right? And we talked about it, not doing it alone. And I think that is the critical piece of it because when you don't do it alone, you have those mentors around you that could call you out on those things and say, hey, just because you did it and you went through it doesn't mean she needs to go through all the same difficult times, right? So now you've learned how can you be empathetic and really help open those doors for other multicultural women. So it's so critical not to do it alone, not just because to advance in your career, but also how you can help others advance in their careers. I just want to drop like a nugget of encouragement to any of the listeners. If you have possibly experienced a negative conversation with a leader or a mentor who may have knocked you down, it happened to me when I was deciding whether or not I wanted to go to grad school. And it was a really empowering decision for me. I was really excited. And I'll never forget, I had a conversation with another woman of color seeking out my options, wanting to learn more, no, wanting to know maybe how could I get ahead. And she quite literally knocked me down check by check. And she literally went through a list and she said, you don't have this minus one point. You don't have this, take off another point. So by the time they look at you, you're basically nothing. I cried so hard. It was so harsh, like so unbelievably harsh. But I share that to say, 
that is one person's opinion and to learn to not take it personally and just know that if you're met in that situation of negativity, it's about them. It's something that they haven't resolved and maybe they also haven't developed the leadership skills to guide someone. So turn to the people who actually lift you up because they're out there. We're some of them. We're out here (laughs) to support you. Thank you for sharing that, Courtney, because that's a reality, sadly, in many places. And one of the things that we, well, the main thing we talk about, right, it's advancing women in corporate America, multicultural women in specifically. And I think it's so critical for women who have had bad experiences in corporate America to really look to women like us who have been successful and who understand that there are good mentors, good sponsors, good leaders, amazing multicultural women in the C-suite who want to help other multicultural women grow. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, mentors aren't magic. They're still working through their own stuff too a lot. You know, everybody is. And so I, I love the fact that you're like, it's just one person. So find that tribe and everybody has something to offer in a different space. And so no one person's going to have that magic bullet for you. Cindy, you've been at your organization for 12 years now. And one of the reasons why you're here on this podcast is because we really have a passion to see multicultural women in positions of power. And here you are. This might be an uncomfortable question, but what are the benefits of having someone like you leading the way you do? Goodness, I think it really provides people a path to see that you can come in as, for example, I came in as a consultant. And so now I'm a managing director and there's a lot of layers in between. But to be able to say that you essentially came in, I have played almost every single role. So I can be empathetic to uh, an associate consultant that's come in and knows nothing and has had to learn from the ground up. I can be able to talk about all areas of the business because I've been able to be around this company for so long and have seen it grow in an extreme way. And so it has given me personally that purview. And so to be able to provide that level of perspective when I'm talking to people across the board at all roles, at all levels, and really be able to have a conversation that resonates with them. And I can be able to say that I've been in your shoes. I've done the job. I roll up my sleeves just like everybody else, no matter what role I'm in. You know, I can play intern. I get coffee. I do do all the things. And so it's critical for an organization to have those types of leaders. And I'm not the only one, which is why this all works, is that we are actually working as a team. And so then every member is valued. And so when we show up to work, I am not afraid to hire smarter people because that's my job. If I'm doing my job right, I should be finding my next person who will not just be my succession plan, but maybe be my boss one day. And I think that that's a really healthy culture to promote because then you're really rewarding people for the ideas and the impact that they're making. And so the idea of being able to bring out the best in people is really important. And the fact that I've been here for so long also gives me the confidence and the security that 
I'm probably not going to lose my job if I just keep adding value. And so if you want to challenge me and, and have me take on a risky role, I will do it because I know at the end of the day, there's likely still a place for me. So to be able to create that environment where people feel confident in failing and learning and growing is very critical to business productivity. Can we just drop the mic? Because like, and that's what it looks like to have a multicultural woman in a position of power. (laughs) Well, I am curious, at what point did all of you feel the, I guess, the calling to, to do this? I think for me, it was early on, but I didn't even know I was doing it. So growing up and I didn't have people that looked like me or even people in my family that have been in corporate America. The more that I learned throughout my career, the more I did it through mentoring, sponsoring, and opening doors for others. But I think once I realized that I was in a position of power and that I needed to put my voice out there, it's when, for several reasons, Elisa and I came together years ago and we said, hey, we got to, this is something that we're really passionate about. And every day, I I would say this, and even Alisa and I were talking yesterday, every day I wake up and I'm more determined to continue to advocate for women in corporate America. I think there are so many different voices out there and there is not enough multicultural women like you in the C-suite that are telling these remarkable stories or how they have been successful and the difference that they're making in others' careers, in others' lives. The last couple of days, Mirati and I have had like yelling conversations, <laughs> like, like, um, this is why we need this. <laughs> this is something that like, I'll never forget that I told Courtney because it was like impactful in the moment. And it was like, sometimes the vision comes after the work. And I think like doing this Mm. podcast just seemed like a fun idea. But the more we talk to women like you, the more we're inspired and we're like, whoa, this is what can really change the landscape of corporate America, of the world. And we just we see these seeds getting planted and it's just like. It's so invigorating the more women we speak to. I'm going to give a shout out to both of you because, Cindy, your question was like, why did we decide to do this? I cannot take the credit for starting it. (laughs) But what I do want to give a shout out to Elisa and Dr. Mirati is because they saw something in me. Like they were my mentors And they were like, we want you to use your voice, like get out of your own way. I debated whether or not I was even going to open my mouth and say something because it's like, like I get so emotional every time I talk about it. But it was like that moment of like, hey, you don't have to do this alone. You share all these things in our conversations. Let's make it more public and let's empower more women. And I think the mission behind it in my heart was like, yeah, there aren't a lot of people who look like me, just as you said, Dr. Maddie, and like, how do we create more of us? And it's just so important. It's important to have mirrors, especially when you're in a phase of development. And that's where they met me. And I remember, Elisa, you were like, you don't have to be on the other side of a journey to start talking about it. 
You can talk about it while you're going through it. And I was like, okay, we're going to do it. <laughs> Without having a clue. That's so great. How it would turn out <laughs> for me. <laughs> well, it's turning out great from what I can tell. So bravo to all of you. I am so impressed. And I love the fact that, you know, you're talking about you don't have to be on the other side because I feel like that's actually what resonates more with people is knowing that you're still in it and still working and you can't give yourself advice. But if you're giving advice to somebody else, it's so crystal clear on what the path is that you can become so supportive. And I never started out my journey thinking I would go from consultant to managing director and do all these things. I remember thinking when I first started, look at all these other people that are way older, have much more tenure or way more experienced and qualified, so much smarter, like they will get there before me. And that has not always been the case because what I know that I'm confident in is not just the craft, but that general commitment to adding value to helping other people succeed no matter what role they're in. And then it makes other people want to help you. And so I think that that's a really important part for people to hear is that when you don't do it alone, it's actually much more powerful to have other people lift you up than for you to get there by yourself. And that, you know, you've got this whole group of people cheering you on and helping to pull you up when you fall down. And so it's just, you can sleep easier at night. You can be proud of yourself and your journey to be able to say that, you know, you came with all these other people with you. Yeah, I think that's definitely my takeaway from our conversation today. I mean, you modeled it, we're modeling it, this idea of like, not only don't do it alone, but you don't have to do it alone. And that's the cool piece of this. Like you have a choice and you can bring people along, whether it's at an organizational level, bringing the right players in place, having, like you said, having smarter people in the room, having them around you and lifting them up. And then also outside of work through either mentors or peers or friends, family, we have so many people at our disposal. All we have to do is ask them to come in to our lives. And when we do that as a group collectively, we succeed. So thank you for sharing your journey and thank you for being a part of our journey now and everyone listening to this. And so if you are listening, I want to encourage you to think about who you can reach out to. Who do you need in your corner right now at this time in your life? There's probably someone there. So I want to encourage you to just ask and bring them in. And if they don't work out, ask someone else and then keep asking until you actually get what you want. And we are all going to be better together if we embrace this collective idea of going at life together. Want more advice on how to break the rules and outsmart the game to advance your career? Check us out on Instagram, YouTube, and our website, whatrulespodcast.com for more insight from our guests and hosts and join our community on LinkedIn where we discuss rule-breaking strategies for multicultural women. What Rules is a project of Zara Consulting and is supported by the amazing team at Stories Bureau. 
This episode was produced by Alexandra Uresta with editing and music supervision by Joshua Ramsey and was engineered and mixed by Tim Ballant. Our podcast cover was designed by Delion Creative. Visit whatrulespodcast.com for more info, upcoming events, and all episodes of What Rules, including video, and make sure to give us a follow.